Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, January 19th. Coming up, for years, housing lawyers and neighborhood groups in Kansas City have used a Missouri law to take control of empty homes and bring them back to life. But now they're worried bad actors have begun using that law for financial gain. They try as quickly as possible to gain uh, possession of these properties because it's a it's a way for them to make money. We'll hear how a statute to fight blight is being used to buy up cheap homes. Plus, Kansas native Steve Grogan may have changed the way modern NFL quarterbacks play the game, but he still watches the game one scramble at a time. I still yell at the TV set when it's one of the guys I'm watching the game and they slide. We'll meet the man who blazed the trail for rushing quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. But first, some headlines. Jackson County voters may not vote on the three-eighths percent sales tax to fund a new Kansas City Royals stadium. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. Jackson County Executive Frank White issued a veto on the legislature's previous action to put the ballot measure before voters in April. In a statement, he said there must be, quote, deeper reflection on the sales tax before it goes to the public. The legislature needs six votes, out of nine, to override his veto, and they must do it before January 23rd. So far, four legislators have said they support White's veto. The royals have not yet chosen a location for a new stadium. Kansas City police say six victims injured in a shooting at Crown Center on Wednesday night are recovering from non-life-threatening injuries. Kayvon Mansouri reports one person was questioned that night and released yesterday. Police say the shooting happened when an argument between two groups of young adults and teenagers turned violent. A security guard working at Crown Center also fired their weapon. The victims were mostly in their late teens or early 20s, except for one individual who was around 50 years old. Several individuals were detained and interviewed. A spokesperson with the Kansas City Police Department is asking for any witnesses who haven't spoken to police to contact the department. A coalition of abortion rights groups is circulating a petition to put abortion on the ballot in Missouri. The measure put forth by Missourians for Constitutional Freedom would legalize abortion up to the point when a fetus could likely survive outside the womb. Mallory Schwarz of Abortion Action Missouri says it won't be easy to get roughly 170,000 signatures by May. But she says people want to repeal the state's ban on most abortions. This fight is really about who makes personal decisions for yourself and your family, you or politicians. Several groups that oppose abortion rights will fight against the measure. We'll be back after this. Back in 1908, Kansas City biscuit businessman Jacob Luce was locked into a bitter rivalry with Nabisco when he had this idea for a chocolate sandwich cookie, unlike anything on the market. The Hydrox had this, like, really elaborate laurel wreath and this really elaborate font. It was like a very broke little cookie. How Kansas City created the original Oreo. That's on the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. Neighborhood groups have often used a Missouri law to take ownership of vacant houses and bring them back to life. But other nonprofits are now using it to snap up vacant homes and flip them for financial gain. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal tells us why that started happening in recent years. 
At the end of a quiet residential street in Kansas City's Marlboro neighborhood, just a few feet from an abandoned school building, stands a vacant home. The mailbox is stuffed with letters and flyers, but no one has come to retrieve them. Last year, a nonprofit called the New Jersey Area Homesteading Authority sued to take ownership of this home at the corner of 74th Street and Virginia Avenue to rehab it and then sell it. But the case hit a snag when the property owner came forward. Housing lawyers in Kansas City are seeing this happen more often, where a nonprofit tries to get ownership of an empty home only to realize it still has a living owner. Alicia Johnson, executive director of Legal Aid of Western Missouri, often works with the Abandoned Housing Act, a Missouri law that allows nonprofits to combat blight in their neighborhoods by taking over abandoned homes and fixing them up. And this would give them the ability to do something about it instead of just having um, homes in their neighborhood deteriorate and not being used. A home has to be unoccupied for at least six months, owe delinquent property taxes, and violate city codes. Only nonprofits can use the law to take over a home, which is how many neighborhood groups get involved. They file an abandoned housing lawsuit, then work with a local rehabber to fix up the property. Once that's finished, the nonprofit will own the home and then transfer it to the rehabber. The rehabber can live in the home, rent it, or sell it. Neighborhood associations and legal aid attorneys used to file nearly all the cases under the Abandoned Housing Act. But in the past two years, more nonprofits that aren't associated with a particular neighborhood, like the New Jersey Area Homesteading Authority, are suing for ownership. Since 2021, the Homesteading Authority has filed more than 40 Abandoned Housing Act cases, mostly in neighborhoods east of Troost, and acquired five homes. Former Kansas City Land Bank president Ted Anderson runs the Homesteading Authority. He thinks more nonprofits will follow in his footsteps. I think they wrote the law because they want these properties to be rehabilitated. So we're doing that. I don't know if it's taking advantage. I don't think I'd say that. Several of Anderson's cases were dismissed after the owners of allegedly abandoned homes showed up in court. Legal aid attorney Aaron Kelly says that shows the homesteading authority and groups like it aren't doing enough to notify possible homeowners. They, they try as quickly as possible to gain uh, possession of these properties because it's a, it's a way for them to make money. It's a really profitable business strategy. Diane Hirschberger is the executive director of the Marlboro Community Coalition and lives next to an abandoned house, one of what she estimates are about 850 in the neighborhood. It adds to instability and it puts everybody on edge. It just, it just raises a, a level of stress in the neighborhood. Marlboro has frequently used the Abandoned Housing Act to take ownership of vacant homes, but Hirschberger says non-neighborhood-based nonprofits trying to snap up houses on the cheap are edging local groups out of the market. We have to be more creative, um, and we have to try to run as fast as they do. Housing has gotten more expensive since the Abandoned Housing Act became law. People are getting priced out all over Missouri while abandoned buildings sit unused. Lawmakers in recent years have explored new ways to fill empty homes and get them out of the hands of speculators who can make the affordability problem worse. 
For KCUR 89.3, I'm Salisa Kolakal. Kansas City Chiefs will play the Buffalo Bills in the next round of the playoffs Sunday night. The game matches two of the NFL's best quarterbacks, Josh Allen of the Bills and Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs. Greg Eklund reports for KCUR, these elite ballplayers are known for more than just their throwing arms. In Monday's wildcard game between Buffalo and Pittsburgh, the Bills' Josh Allen uncorked the second longest touchdown run by a quarterback in playoff history. Jim Nance called the 52-yard scamper for CBS. Josh steps up, and he's going to get the first down. Oh, and there he goes. No one's going to get him! So I decided to try to find a lane and uh, got, I don't know, 15, 20 yards downfield. And, you know, there's the, the a lot of guys screaming slide and didn't slide. It's more common these days in the NFL for quarterbacks to impact a game with their legs. But that wasn't always the case. Back when Steve Grogan played for the New England Patriots, quarterbacks were predominantly drop-back passers with little mobility. I still yell at the TV set when it's one of the guys I'm watching a game and they slide. The Ottawa, Kansas native especially hates it when quarterbacks slide short of the first down. Grogan's gripes are justified. At the height of his career in the late 1970s, he helped set the precedent for running quarterbacks, as seen on ABC's Monday Night Football with Frank Gifford and Howard Cosell. Grogan, looks one way, rolls the other, has Hannah in front of him. Hannah with a good block. Look at Grogan. What a football player that young man is. Grogan's running abilities became apparent in college. At Kansas State, he followed a classic drop-back style quarterback. Lynn Dickey was, he graduated two years before I got the starting job at K-State, and they had thrown the ball 40, 50 times a game with him. And when I became the starter, they decided to go with the veer option. That was 1972, when the veer option was a formation geared toward a running game in college football. That was the same year when another Kansas native was bucking the NFL's drop-back tradition, El Dorado's Bobby Douglas. That year, the ex-Jayhawk quarterback ran for 968 yards with the Chicago Bears, an NFL record Douglas himself calls infamous. It's not one that I'm as proud of as I would have been to uh, had thrown the ball for 25,000 yards and had that record because I actually as a quarterback, you know, you're really a, you're a passer, number one. The position has continued to evolve. In the late 80s, Randall Cunningham emerged as a running threat for the Philadelphia Eagles. He is faking and then ducking and then cutting across the 40 to the 45 and Randall with a 10-yard gain. I don't know how. The most important factor, it helped them win games. These days, Grogan likes how the six-foot-five Josh Allen handles himself for the Bills. Josh Allen is is a guy that has that ability because of his size, and there's there's two or three other ones that that are in similar situations. That you know they're they're football players. They just want to win a game. The Chiefs' own scrambler Patrick Mahomes also appreciates Allen's well-rounded game. I mean, he's a great quarterback, uh, physically talented, can throw, can run, can really do it all. Some would say the same for Mahomes, who has taken the position to another level, but not because he's looking to run. I mean, I, I'm always looking to throw first, 
um, knowing that the guys are faster than me and they can make the big plays happen. Um, and then whenever I do run, I run scared and try to get out of bounds and pass the first down as fast as possible. That run good for a Kansas City Chiefs! Whether it comes by arm or by foot, Chiefs fans are hoping for that Mahomes magic against the Bills. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Greg Eklund. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadi. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Salisa's story on the Abandoned Housing Act and Greg's story on running quarterbacks, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll hear more about the Missouri legislature's new efforts to further restrict transgender health care. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.